Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. We'll look this morning to verses 33 down to the end of the chapter. This is our 14th Sunday on Hebrews 11. I counted up. Wow. But it's worth all this attention. For here God calls us to be a people of faith and explains what that means. We heard in verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we're going to hear it all the way down at the end of verse 39. These people, these examples, were all commended for their faith. God wants us to live by faith, and he wants us to know what that looks like. That's the point of this whole chapter, which is kind of a survey of the whole Bible in a way. And that's why we've taken so long. But what can we expect when we live by faith? What will it look like? That's a much more difficult question. For example, we've probably heard stories of people praying in faith and, and, and wonderfully being healed when they thought that it was hopeless. And we've also heard people tell of praying and trusting the Lord and seeing him sustain them as they got weaker and weaker until they died. So what should we expect? Miraculous healing? Or grace sufficient for sickness that ends in death? What will it look like to trust the Lord to walk in faith? That's the subject of our text this morning. We've been taking things real slowly last week and the week before we took like one verse. Or I guess the week before last one, no last week one verse. Uh, now we're going to move fast. We're going to finish the chapter. Eight verses today. And um, we have to do that because if we don't, if we take just half of it, we'll walk out here with a totally distorted view of what the Bible says. So bear with me. We're going to go whizzing through this in order to get the whole balance of this truth. Let me read it. I'll pick up with verse 32, although we talked about that last week. That's where the sentence starts. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon. And Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and, and uh, routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Here we have two great truths, which gives us two points, conveniently. <clears throat> the first point is this. By faith, 
we overcome the impossible. By faith, we overcome the impossible. The Bible is full of accounts of God doing impossible things. That's what many people hate about the Bible. They don't believe in miracles, and the Bible is full of them. But like it or not, in this chapter, we have frequently been reminded that God sometimes does the impossible. And in our text this morning, that theme continues, though the names are now omitted. We just hear some of the events or some of the actions. Here we have a list of miraculous events which God did through those who trusted him. Here we learn that by faith, we overcome the impossible. So let's just go through the list and remember some of the people through whom God did these things. I'll just go down the list and comment briefly. First of all, by faith, some conquered kingdoms. Well, for example, as Moses led the people of God from Egypt up to the land of Canaan, they utterly destroyed, utterly conquered the king Sihon and Og. Later in the time of Judges, God raised up one leader after another, uh, uh, to, uh, to, uh, 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 to, uh, to defeat those who would oppress uh, God's people. And by faith, they conquered those opposing nations. As we keep reading, by faith, some administered justice. That is, they set up just governments. We heard in our Sunday evening study of Samuel that Samuel, when he was old, um, talked to the people and the whole nation acknowledged that his leadership had been a time of justice. He had done what was right in leading the country. Or consider David, who established and maintained Israel as a just and righteous kingdom. Indeed, many of the kings of Judah faithfully administered justice. King Hezekiah did, King Josiah did, and even uh, while exiled to a foreign land, Daniel uh, administered justice as a public servant in Babylon, a, a nation that did not even acknowledge the Lord. We keep reading, by faith some received what was promised. God's people certainly received the land of Canaan that God had promised for years before. As we saw last week, Rahab was saved when Jericho was destroyed, just as she had been promised. People received the promises when they trusted God for them. By faith some shut the mouths of lions. We know the story of Daniel as an old man who had been in exile in Babylon his whole life. Suddenly, Daniel was faced with the choice of stopping uh, praying to his God and, uh, or, or be fed to the lions. And Dan, but Daniel was faithful, and God literally shut the mouths of the lions. And he survived that. Figuratively, that same kind of language was used of Samson and David and Benina, one of David's men. By faith, some quenched the fury of the flames. Most uh, notably, that was the experience of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and we'll get back to that later. By faith, some escaped the, the edge of the sword. Certainly that was true of David, who repeatedly escaped uh, the swords of, the, of his enemies. And it was also true of Elijah, when opposed by Queen Jezebel, uh, and Elisha, when attacked uh, by the Syrians. By faith, the weakness of some was turned to strength. When I read that, I think of Naaman's uh, powerless little uh, Jewish slave girl who boldly bore witness to her uh, pagan master about the God that she knew. And later I think of Esther, who found herself in in the right place at the right time, and through her faithfulness, in spite of of the the weakness of her position, 
God saved his people. By faith, some became powerful in battle and, and uh, routed uh, foreign armies. That was true of several faithful kings in Israel, but it was even more impressively true during the, the time of the, Maccabe- the Maccabean resistance, during that time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. By faith, some women received back their dead, raised to life again. Remember the widow of Zarephath, who received her son through Elijah's ministry, and the Shumanite woman, whose son was raised again uh, by Elisha. And then, uh, of course, during Jesus' ministry, Mary and Martha received their brother back, and the, the widow of Nain received her son back, uh, dead, uh, who was dead and, uh, and was brought back to life. This is quite an impressive list. God has done wonderful powerful, supernatural things in response to his people trusting him in all kinds of situations. Which is exactly what he promised to do, by the way. The Bible is full of such promises. Let me read some of them to you. You might need to hear them too. In Jeremiah 33, call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Or in Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Or uh, in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Indeed, that's what Jesus promised in Matthew 17. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. It is just difficult to overstate God's call for us to trust him. He is able to do whatever he pleases, But he also has a history of honoring the faith of those who trust him and ask him. And now he's given us those same promises that we might trust him. And by faith, overcome impossible situations. I'm not suggesting that we're going to go out and, and become miracle workers and do a bunch of miracles. The New Testament says that signs and wonders um, and miracles were things that marked the apostles. The church no longer has any apostles. There were 12 of them in the strict sense. So we should not expect to have miracle workers going around doing the things the apostles did or the things Jesus did. But this truth still applies to us. God is still a God who makes a way through the most important possible situations. He still leads and provides in ways you could not have foreseen. And living by faith in his daily provision is still the norm for God's people. As the New Testament reminds us, we walk by faith, not just by sight. But could it be that many of us know very little about trusting God for anything beyond what we can do for ourselves. So when we pray, we ask only for those things that we know we can produce. (laughs) We pray for God to bless our efforts, 
But we don't expect him to intervene and do anything just to let us do it. In other words, we have very little experience of actually living by faith as this text describes it. For here by faith God enables us to overcome impossible things. I know some of you might report that, well, no, I have sincerely trusted God to overcome some impossible situations, and I'm here to say nothing happened. Indeed, things got worse. I know. That's why we have to take the second part of this chapter, or this text. For that's the truth here in the second part of the verses, the second truth. By faith, we endure the unthinkable. By faith, we overcome the impossible, but by faith, we also endure the unthinkable. You know, throughout human history, the atrocities by which men have tortured their enemies have been unimaginable. The methods are so gory, they're not even appropriate to mention in this kind of setting. And while all kinds of people have been tortured for all kinds of reasons, no group has been brutalized more often and more fiercely than the people of God who have refused to compromise their faith. Well, here in verses 35 to 38, the writer speaks of the faith of those suffering people. Without going into much detail concerning the torture methods used against them, but only mentioning them in general. This is not as exciting a list as the first list, but these are also examples of faith. We know that these are still more examples of faith because the second list begins to appear right in the middle of a verse. Look at verse 35. Women received back their dead, raised to life. By faith, they overcame impossible situations. Others were tortured and refused to be released. That's not overcoming impossible situations. That's enduring the unthinkable. Right in the middle of this verse, the list changes from great stories of victory to great stories of defeat, if you will. So again, working our way through the list, let's consider to whom these various statements might apply. We read that some were tortured and refused to be released. The most, ex- the most uh, uh, notable examples of such martyrdom really are found in the um, Maccabean period between the Old and New Testament. For example, in 2 Maccabees chapter 6, um, it, it, it speaks of Eliezer the scribe. They, they tried to force him, a Jew, Jewish man, a devout Jew, tried to force him to defile himself by eating unclean food. He said, no, I won't. Well, a friend of his worked out a deal that he could abstain from eating it, but only appear to eat it. Where people would think he ate it, but they would know he didn't really, but he wouldn't be killed. He says, I don't do that. I will not defile myself. I will not disobey what God said. And he gave himself up to be killed. By faith, he endured the unthinkable. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. Throughout his whole ministry, 
Jeremiah was such a one. He was repeatedly mocked, repeatedly imprisoned, thrown in a dry well, and left to die unless somebody discovered him and pulled him out. In Jeremiah chapter 20, he cries out, I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. Some were stoned. Zechariah the prophet was stoned when he pronounced judgment on his countrymen for their wickedness. According to tradition, Jeremiah died this way, stoned to death. It goes on, says they were sawn in two. There are at least three extra biblical writings that indicate that the prophet Isaiah was martyred by being sawn in half. That's hard to imagine. But by faith, Isaiah endured the unthinkable. They were put to death by the sword. Uriah, the prophet of Jeremiah's time, was so executed by King Jehoiakim. In the New Testament, the apostle James was killed by the sword of Herod. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute. According to 2 Kings 8, Elijah lived like that. According to Clement of Rome, Elisha lived like that too. They were persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Here the picture is more general, but it was literally true of faithful people during the Maccabean period. First Maccabees chapter 2 tells of a group of the faithful going out to live in the wilderness to try to escape the corruption that had overtaken Jerusalem. But that was not good enough to just, for them to just leave and get out of the way. The king pursued them, hunting them down. When he found them, challenged them to come out and fight, but it was the Sabbath day and they wouldn't come out and fight on the Sabbath. And so they were slaughtered. A thousand of them. Men, women, children, plus all their cattle. You see, no matter how great our faith is, sometimes the results will not be deliverance. Sometimes the results will be apparent defeat. For God's people will die still trusting him. By faith, though, we can endure the unthinkable. And how do we do that? Well, we rest our faith in the promises of God, not just God's words which uh, promise that we will be victorious, but God's words which promise grace and strength to endure whatever comes our way. Listen to some of those promises. For example, Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Philippians 4, 19. My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Or 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Or, or even Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 27. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. And of course, Isaiah 41, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 
In Isaiah 40, 31, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And finally, Psalm 62, verse 5 and 6, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Interestingly, in my preparation, searching for some of these promises, I found it was much easier to find promises of God's grace to sustain us, to endure the unthinkable, than it was to find promises of God giving us miraculous victory. I guess God knows what we need to hear. Dear people, we live in such a success-oriented world. We need to hear this loud and clear for endurance is a more common challenge for us. God did not grant all these people of faith success. He allowed some of them to die in apparent utter defeat, including his own son. But according to verse 39, whether successful or not, those who were faithful had God's approval. By faith we can and we must endure even the unthinkable. Just to summarize, two simple points. By faith we overcome the impossible. That's the pattern of so many of God's people in the ancient, uh, in, in, in antiquity. They believed and God did mighty works, nothing less than impossible things. But secondly, by faith we endure the unthinkable. There's also this pattern throughout history. God's people who believed but were never, um, but, but were never uh, delivered. Instead they were called to persevere. So how will we know what to expect? Will God do the impossible if we trust him? Or does he expect us to endure unspeakable trouble, still trusting them. How do we know? We don't. We don't know. The outcome of our lives is in God's hands. Whether he grants us supernatural victory or smiles with delight to see his children trust him all the way to death, with its own victory, by the way, that's his business. Our business is to trust him and keep on trusting him. Now there's a wonderful illustration of this twofold hope of deliverance and endurance in, in the book of Daniel in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you grew up in church, you know this story, but uh, I'm going I'm to remind you of it anyway. It happened during that time when the Jews had been defeated and taken off as, as exiles to the land of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar, the king who was in charge of their defeat and deportation, King Nebuchadnezzar, so full of himself, as many rulers all are, had a giant image of gold made, a statue that stood 90 feet tall. When it was complete, he gathered all the people in his administration for the dedication of this image. 
including three Hebrew young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who in spite of being Jews, had risen to positions of uh, responsibility in the, in the Babylonian government. And so the order went out. When you hear the sound of the music, all the instruments playing, you must fall down and worship the image the king has erected. And whoever does not will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But when the signal was given and everybody went down, there were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing tall. According to God's command, they would worship no one but him. Where the refusal caught the attention of others, including some who just did not like the Jews to start with. And so um, they were taken aside and the edict was explained more carefully to them as if perhaps they were not bright enough to understand it. They received some uh, uh, career guidance counseling that uh, it would be in their best interest to comply whether they believe this or not. When they continued to refuse, they were brought before the king himself. The king was furious with rage, it says in Daniel 3. So what should these young men of faith now expect? Would God miraculously deliver them? Or give them strength to endure being thrown into furnace, into furnace and burned to a crisp? You know what happened. God delivered them after they were thrown in the furnace. But listen, this is really instructive for us. Listen to what they said in response to the, uh, the furious King Nebuchadnezzar. I'm reading from Daniel 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves to you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we save is able, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if, if he does not, we want you to know, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They had no idea how this was going to play out, but they understood what their response would be. And folks, this is biblical faith that's outlined in this 11th chapter of Hebrews. Not as we hear it so much these days, faith as a psychological power that I wield to, to make things happen as I please, to project godlike energy uh, to carry out my will, that's kind of a pagan idea. And not just fatalism. Well, whatever will happen will happen. I just trust God for it. No. Active confidence and obedience that knows and trusts the God of the Bible the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our King, and leaves the consequences to him. That's faith. That's faith. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we don't have that kind of faith. We want to manipulate the situation. We want to make it what we want it to be. Or we want to sit back and uh, 
and to say we're powerless, so whatever happens, happens. But Lord, to actively trust you and not demand that you do what we say, but uh, accept from your hand whatever comes, still trusting you, Lord. It seems like that's not within our power. We need your grace in order to live that way. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you teach us. Thank you for the examples, both kinds of examples. Those who have seen you do the impossible as they trusted you, and those, Lord, who have been burned at the stake still trusting you. We don't know what you have for us, but grant that we might learn to walk by faith, not sight, to rest in your promises and leave the results to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.